0: Tremendo y la volea con la derecha Roberto, Robert 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 Lewandowski y es buenísima gol de Sabi Gol, 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 de la Real Sociedad. De Martin Bledwell. Gol de Osasuna.
2: Qué bien lo ha hecho. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 4 recap and I'm your host, Matt Clark. I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Harris. How are you, Tom?
1: Fantastic, Matt. Really, really well. Um, you know, we're just off the back of a, a brilliant game of Mestaya, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later on, but lots of goals over this weekend, I believe 27. So I need to uh, get stuck in and talk about.
2: Indeed, yes. Nine games to discuss in full. Uh, 27 goals, three per game on average. So, yeah, not short of goals this weekend. As it stands in La Liga, we have a title race which looks pretty familiar now with Barca and Real Madrid on top. We have five winless sides, three still unbeaten, one yet to concede a goal and one yet to score. So we'll get into all of that in due course. Let's start then with that super Saturday. Real Madrid hosting Real Betis, the first game at the Bernabeu this season. Another impressive performance from Ancelotti's men, getting the result 2-1 in the end. What did you make of this one, Tom?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you've got to mention that, you know, the last five meetings between Real Madrid and Real Betis at the Santiago Bernabeu, 1-0 to Betis, 2-0 to Betis, 0-0, nil, 0-0, nil, 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 and 0-0. Nil, nil. So Real Madrid hadn't actually scored against Real Betis at the Bernabeu for well over five seasons. And, you know, it was a really impressive win. Yet again, you know, they march on. They always seem to find a way to win the games this season. And, yeah, there's some absolutely brilliant performances in there. I thought Militao was absolutely fantastic at the back. Vinicius, as always, he just seems to be stepping up and becoming the main man for Real Madrid now. And Chuemini as well. Um, you know, wonky pass, 10 duels one 7 tackles. Very, very good all round for him. So, yeah,
2: lots of positives. The last time they did score at home against Betis, Vinny hadn't even debuted with Flamengo. That's from Mr. Chip. So, that shows wow. you how long ago it was. And, of course, he was the man to break that deadlock in the first half. And, as you say, he seems to be outperforming even Benzema at the moment. Um, And and with Chiuameni looking so impressive, do they even miss Casemiro? It seems crazy to say, but do they really miss him?
1: Yeah, I mean, only time will tell. Obviously, Chiuameni is still young and, you know, we saw, obviously, it was a difficult debut away at Almeria, obviously his first game at a new club. Um, But there was, you know, we can see the potential for Chiuameni to have an off day. So, you know, not every game is going to be as dominant as he was, but... He certainly has the physical attributes, as I said, seven tackles. He had most the most touches of anyone on the pitch. And the great thing about Shuameni is that he, he really does charge around. He, he, he doesn't go unnoticed in these kind of games. He really you know gets stuck in and kind of galvanises the crowd. So maybe a bit early to say that they're not going to miss, miss Casemiro, but if Shuameni carries on like this, then yeah, why, why would they?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Really impressive start for such a young player at a huge club like Real Madrid. Uh, a quick word on Carlos' changes in it. We've had four match days, and in three of those, Carlos made a substitute, or or his assistant, Davide, in in fact, and it's really turned the game. In match day one, David Alaba comes on against Almeria, scores that free kick straight away. In match day three, Rodrigo off the bench to get that assist for Benzema at the back post to put them 2-1 ahead against Espanyol. And then here again, it was Valverde off the bench, this time assisting Rodrigo for that go-ahead goal in this match, which proved to be the winner. Um, for a man that many say never think 'cause never changes, burns out all of his players in the first half of the season, he's not short of a bit of substitution acumen here, is he?
1: No, certainly not. I mean, that's the manager's job to make changes when when they see the need to. And more or less every single time he's been spot on. a lot of was made of that Alaba change away at away Al on the first match day. It was uh, Davide David who saw when they won the free kick to you know get Alaba on and he consequently scored. Um, So, yeah, like you say, really looking good for Real Madrid, you know, four wins out of four. And yeah, it's really going to go down to the wire, I think, already, um, this title race between them and Barcelona.
2: Yes, we'll get onto the Catalan side in just a moment. But as you say, pretty perfect for Los Blancos. Have conceded in every game, though, so that's perhaps one area they might want to concentrate on going forward. And of course, now attention switches to the Champions League with them. Heading to Celtic for match day one. So that will be a a fascinating game to watch in midweek. So look out for that one, listener. Let's turn our attention to Barça then. They also had a a pretty emphatic win. Adoramo Sanchez Pizuan, 3-0 over Sevilla. We'll get on to Sevilla in a moment. But as for Barça, another impressive performance, free scoring. They're looking really good, aren't they?
1: Oh, they're looking fantastic. I mean, 4.68 was the XG of this win. I think that's the highest XG of the season in La Liga. And, you know, you just have to say with this front three, it's just incredible. I mean, Dembele's pace on the transition for the first goal, you know, you just kind of saw the whole Sevilla team just trying to keep up with him. They couldn't. And then, you know, before you know, it, it's in the back of the net. Incredible pass from Jules Kunde for the second goal. You know, not who we were expecting to come up with the assist, but what a pick out it was. And when you've got Lewandowski in that position, he will control it and he will score. It really is just lethal. And like you say, it could have been six or seven because there was a Lewandowski chance where Bonham made a great save. De Jong had one cleared off the line as well. Yeah, it's really looking ominous. And, and like you say, when you have a quality like that, they had a bit of a slow start. The opening 35 minutes didn't all go their way, but then Ter Stegen stepped up. So yeah, I mean, they're looking strong all over the pitch. And like I said before, it's going to be really interesting when these two sides meet in a couple of weeks' time.
2: Mm, sensational game and prospects. As you say, Ter Dagen looking like the old his old self. Really strong save there on uh, on Rakitic's shot early on. First goals for Rafinha and Eric Garcia from that set piece as well. So a great day all round for Barca. As for Sevilla though, my word, they must be feeling sick to see Jules kunde first of all leave and then not play for the first two weeks. Then he comes back to the sanchez Pizuan and gets two assists in the game. I mean, things just everything's going from bad to worse for Sevilla, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you couldn't write it really for that to happen, just to rub salt in the wounds. Like I say, it's really looking a bit ugly now. I mean, city was was booed off and kind of sarcastically applauded the crowd as he went off as they were as they were jeering him. Um, you know, Nianzu as well, the, the new centre back they've signed, you know, looks like a good player, but he's not been allowed any time to settle at all. You know, still no side of Marcao as well, the centre back who was meant to come in to replace Diego Carlos. And then Erling Haaland and Manchester City up next. It's really looking quite bleak. They've got a game against Espanyol next weekend, you know, which they absolutely have to win, or else, you know, like you say, they could be going seven or eight games without a win.
2: Yeah, and up against Diego Martinez, who of course was one of the managers touted as potential replacement for Julian Lopetegui. So, plenty of narrative there. Um, also, listen, do check out the uh, the Blue Moon podcast. Tom, you were on that, weren't you? Looking ahead to that game between Manchester City and Sevilla. So check that out, listener. It's well worth your time to get the kind of City perspective as well as Tom's thoughts on Sevilla. Anything more from this game? As we say, it's, it's still their worst start in, in over 40. It equals their worst ever start, in fact. I think the are five different seasons. They've had only one point from four matches and they've never finished higher than seventh when they've started like this. So Sam Leverage's prediction of struggling to get Europa League is looking pretty spot on right now, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, we all kind of... Pulled some funny faces when he said that in the in the preview pod, but you know, he's Sam knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? So <laughs> he does, he does.
2: Well, um, if if the title race is going to be about the big two, then we have to mention potentially Adleti, who traveled to La Real, uh, always a tough place to go for Adleti in recent years. Um, they went ahead pretty early. Alvaro Morata with a, a fine finish, a second one chalked off for uh, a handball from Joao Felix in the build up, would have been a sensational uh, assist, by the way, but um one nil it was and then second half umar Sadiq comes on and within 10 minutes he equalizes the the uh, the reaction from the almeria owner on twitter was definitely worth checking out he just sort of with the whole emoji of like crying and <laughs> seeing how it used to be so good and now now he's shining for another side but i think L'Areal were probably probably worth their point they defended well um as they tend to do atleti played well but couldn't quite get over the line with the result and is that the difference between them and The big two, do you think they can't quite grind those results out when they really need them?
1: Yeah, perhaps it is. I mean, a lot of Atletico Madrid fans, I think, will be rightly, you know, quite dismayed with some of the decisions that went against them. Obviously, Omas Aditi's goal itself looked like it did come off the arm. And obviously, when a goal is scored and, you know, an attacking player hits their arm, no matter if it's intentional or not, that should be chalked off. So, a lot of debate around that. But yeah, I mean, I thought Alvaro Monato, you know, he, he took his chance as well. Joe felix was just a bit off the boil and you know this is the thing with this atleti team you know when they're on form as they were in the opening winner jetafe they're unstoppable when they're attacking players are just quite not there as they were at la real yeah they look a different team so i think it'll be difficult for them to keep up with barcelona and real madrid but obviously they're a very strong side they've got a lot of strong players throughout that side and you know they'll be looking to finish quite comfortably i think in top four
2: mm, yes Almost a shame to say it so early, but that's going to be the goal, isn't it? For Cholo's side, they face Porto in the Champions League this week uh, as they look to kickstart their campaign and hopefully make it a little bit of an easier ride than they did last time. Yeah. What's your take on the Griezmann thing? I mean, we've spoken about it a little bit on previous pods, this whole thing of him entering in the 62nd, 63rd minute. You know, it's just like clockwork, literally. Um, That time comes on, he enters the pitch. What, What do you make of the situation?
1: I think it's a shame because obviously we all know Griezmann's quality. I mean, again, going back to that Hitafi game, he came off the bench and scored a brilliant goal. I think he scored at Valencia as well. So he's actually managed to score goals in these kind of limited opportunities he's been giving. But at the same time, you can kind of understand it from an athletic perspective because 40 million is a lot of money to pay for you know, half a season's worth of Antoine Griezmann if you're adding up all the minutes that that 40 million would equate to. So it's a very difficult one, a very strange one. But yeah, I think it is a bit of a shame to see Antoine Griezmann kind of wasted in this way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're all hoping that there'll be some sort of resolution for for all parties that, that you know, suits everyone. Mm. Uh, well, moving on then, we have, obviously we've spoken about Atleti, but the team in third position right now is Unai Emery's Villarreal, another fantastic win for them. 4-0 in the local derby against Elche. I mean, they're looking so strong. They're playing with confidence, fluidity. Are they the strongest contenders for the top four?
1: I think you have to say they are at the moment. Obviously, the way they're playing, they're the only side in the top five divisions yet to concede a goal. They've scored nine themselves. with will be a 4-0 win here today. Um, Yeah, I mean, their attacking options are really promising. Obviously, Jeremy Pino, we've been talking about him for a while at the Liga Lowdown, but he's really starting to show his worth. He's 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 contributing goals and assists. He looks stronger and fitter and more direct. Giela Moreno, obviously, still amongst the goals. Thought Joche, they look really sharp today. Um, some good little turns and little dribbles. Baena, Nicholas Jackson, and there's still Dan Juma to come back. You know, so they've got <laughs> a lot of options up front. Um, they're looking really, really good. And like you say... They will have tougher tests than they had today at elche i mean i thought Elche didn't really offer very much going forward i think it was 0.2 xg they they managed to sum up so not the toughest test today and they will you know their position will depend on how they perform against the likes of barcelona real madrid real sociedad sevilla but yeah absolutely nothing to complain about so far really
2: yeah very good start for villarreal and uh, they welcome lech poznan in the uefa conference league on thursday that's their next outing um, rounding off the uh, the top four then, we have Real Betis, as we say, who lost at uh, Santiago Bernabeu. They're also having a very strong start to the season. It was a shame for them to lose Nabil Fekir early in the match, because that might have made a difference in the game, who knows. But uh, that's how we stand for the top four. We will be back after the break and we will discuss all the rest of the games, including Valencia's absolute partidazo in Mistalla.
0: Upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com/upgrade. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping.
2: Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. I'm here with Tom Harris and we are in the middle of our Match Day 4 recap. There's still so much more to discuss, including some really emphatic wins and some heavy defeats, which leaves quite a few clubs in lots of trouble. We'll get onto that in just a moment. But the Sunday night game at Mestalla, it was only 1-0 last season on the first day of the season. It was quite a a feisty affair, but this one was uh, very different. A goal fest, 5-1 to Valencia. Gattuso ball off and running in some style. The last time Valencia scored five or more in La Liga was in 2019 against Huesca. But the last time they did it at home was way back in September 2017. So it's almost five years since their fans have seen them score five at home. So a real delight for them. And they didn't even need Cavani tonight. He was uh, still unavailable, or, or Justin Clive for that matter. So lots to get excited about for Valencia fans. Tom, how how did you see the game? What did you make of, of Gatuso Ball and... Uh, and how excited should the fans be about the way this is shaping up?
1: They're excited, I think. I mean, there were fewer layers coming out in the 30-minute mark, so that's always a good sign, I think. Um, and like you say, this was the first game without Carlos Soler, and we know how important he was to to their game. Obviously, they've lost Guedes as well going forward, so they've lost a lot of attacking firepower. And, you know, Carlos Soler, with a penalty, was actually the only goal that they'd scored this season before today. So I think they really needed this. It's a young, exciting squad who have kind of let loose tonight. You know, we saw Samuel Lino and Castillejo just taking on players for fun. And yeah, really, really exciting. And like you say, you know, they they played really well against Atletico Madrid and I thought they were unlucky not to get anything out of that game. And today it kind of felt like they, you know, they came out and said, well, look, you know, the results aren't quite representing who we are as
2: a team. This is what we're all about. Fantastic performance from almost start to finish. The only... Blotch on the copybook was the red card for Elish on his second debut and uh, conceding that goal later on uh, for Gaston Alvarez. Um, as for well, we saw Yunus Musa really impressive, um, two assists for him in front of his watching US national team manager. He will obviously be looking to get in that World Cup's uh, well squad for sure and probably team uh, in that group with England among others. So that's that's an exciting subplot to follow this season. Um, yeah, very impressive from him. Could he be the kind of creative force in the absence of the likes of Soler and Gage?
1: Yeah, with two assists tonight. I mean, he's he's really, you know, physically imposing once he gets going. Yunus Musa has got so much pace and he's also got the kind of deft touches that we saw today. Both of the assists were, you know, took a lot of, you know, control of the ball to weight the pass, you know, perfectly as he did on both occasions. Yeah, I mean, like you say, Samuel Lino as well, we mentioned him before, but he was very creative, I thought, on the left-hand side, constantly cutting in and out and, you know, crossing the ball in and I think when they have someone like Edinson Cavani in the middle obviously he's you know well renowned for scoring goals I think you know close to 300 goals in you know the top five leagues throughout his career so he's going to be there and you know he's good in the air so I, th- I think there'll be a lots of um assist from also lots of assists from um Samuel Lino and yeah really exciting
2: he will gobble up those chances when he will absolutely devour them uh also a goal for Nico Gonzalez too on uh, his first start for the club so Really encouraging night all round for Valencia. As for Hetafe, it equals their heaviest defeat in the league since uh, January 2021. They've done a lot of business in the transfer window. Everyone's pretty optimistic for their season. They're saying very good signings, very good squad they're building. But their form is is atrocious, isn't it? I mean, this was a really, really poor performance. David Soria was looked nothing like his, anywhere close to his best. Two of the goals directly his fault. And uh, yeah, Adam Baddy typified it at the end, getting sent off in the very last seconds of the game, meaning he'll now miss the next week's match against Real Sociedad, which was obviously already a tough game, even worse without your captain. Uh, they, they look in a bit of a mess, don't they?
1: Yeah, they really do. And I think, like you say, that Adam Baddy card kind of typifies everything. There it was, it was a marked kind of lack of discipline tonight, I thought. There were 21 fouls, six yellow cards. And like you say, with Adam Baddy in the last dying second of the game, absolutely no need to get sent off like he did. Um, And, yeah, it suggests that they don't like playing against these possession-based sides. Obviously, um, Valencia are very good at keeping the ball now under Gennaro Gattuso. And there was a lot of frustration when Getafe weren't seeing the ball. And I think that could be their downfall when they come up against teams, you know, who like to keep the ball. And, yeah, like you say, I don't really understand why it's going so wrong, to be honest. I mean, I think Luis Mia, maybe when he comes into the team, he might bring a bit more control into the midfield, but very tough to see them bouncing back at the moment. And I think Kiki sanchez Flores might be in a bit of
2: trouble. Mm. Their away record was always pretty bad, even under his resurgence. It was always the, the Coliseum home form that kept them up, um, away from danger. So they'll, they'll need to make sure they get that sorted pretty quickly. Otherwise, it'll be a very similar situation to the last season when they, of course, lost. Well, the first seven games and then sacked Michel. They're not the only ones struggling, though. We've, we've touched on uh, Elche's performance against Villarreal. They're also in, in pretty dire straits. They really didn't pose any kind of threat against Villarreal today and they uh, they make up the bottom three along with Hitafe and Cadiz. Cadiz, of course, they're probably one of the worst sides in the top five leagues in terms of uh, form. Four games, four defeats, no goals scored, ten conceded rock bottom of La Liga. And, um, yeah, Elche, Cadiz, what's going wrong there? Do you, can you put your finger on that?
1: Well, I think with Cadiz, you know, we were saying before the season started, we we didn't think they'd strengthened enough. Um, they've got a bit of an ageing team as well, you know, particularly up front. I mean, you've got Negredo, 36 years old, Lucas Perez, I think he's 33. There's Choco Lozano, but he was really the only one who was creating anything at, um, on the um, game on the weekend, Yeah, I mean, it's all looked a bit stale. I mean, I think also with Cadiz, there's Sergio Gonzalez, who did really well to keep them up last season. But I think he looked a bit, yeah, inspiring towards the end of his um, tenure at Valladolid. And he's kind of looking to, like, he's bringing that kind of same form to to Cadiz. And with Elche as well, you know, they've lost Mojica. I think he was a good creative outlet for them. So it might be difficult for them to create goals, especially from wide areas. Alex Coyalo is going to be very important if Elche are going to start um, picking up points because we've seen how dangerous he can be. But yeah, I feel like with both sides, but Cadiz in particular, there, there is a bit of staleness there at the moment and, you know, not many opportunities created and it's looking a bit bleak.
2: It is indeed. And in terms of La Liga manager's win percentage, only um, Michel Girona has a worse win percentage in the league than Sergio. And of course, uh, he has a much higher sample size, so not looking good for Cadiz. And of course, Next week, they've got Barcelona coming to town, so it's yeah. If they can pull anything out of that, it'll be almost a miracle. But uh, yeah, as for Elche, on paper, as you say, up front they look pretty stacked compared to Caddy. They've got uh, Lucas Boye still there, of course. Roger has come in this season, who who always has scored goals in La Liga. So on paper, they have a decent decent squad. But like you say, it's it's kind of linking up those pieces between defense, midfield, and attack that could be the problem. So. A bit of pressure on Francisco too. He came out after the game today saying that, you know, almost everything's not working and it's very worrying for him. And if the manager's saying it's worrying, then that would probably worry the fans a lot more because, you know, the coaching staff are supposed to be the guys that are trying to fix this and and identify the problems. And at this stage, it doesn't seem like he's able to. So definitely one to watch there. Uh, On the plus side, of course, from that result on Friday night, for for as bad as Cadiz were, Celta were fantastic, uh, winning back-to-back games. You'll never guess who shot. It was Iago Aspas once again. Two goals here. Joint Piccici at the moment with Robert Lewandowski on five goals. Tom, simple question should he be on the plane to Qatar?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think there's absolutely no question. I mean, five goals in four games already this season, 23 goal contributions the season before, 27 the season before that. He's, he's a ridiculously consistent player. And, um, you know, if you look at back at the, the goals he scored this season, I mean, the two against uh, Cadiz outside of the box, really great finishes. There's that one at Girona last weekend where, you know, the ball was running away from him and he just flung himself over the ball, redirected it and just, you know, kissed the inside of the post. Every single goal he scored really has been right in the corner, you know, just out of the reach of a goalkeeper. And um, yeah, he's outperforming his XG by nearly four this season, but, you know, he's outperformed it. In the last five seasons, he outperformed it by five a couple of seasons ago, seven a couple of seasons ago. So this isn't form. This is how good Iago Aspas actually is at finishing. And, yeah, I mean, um, we wrote on the uh, La Liga Lowdown Substack a bit of an article about um, Iago Aspas going to the World Cup. I argued that he should do there. So go and have a look. But, yeah, like I said, this is no run of form. He's an experienced player. He's scoring goals. And for me, yeah, he has to go to the World Cup.
2: LaLigaLowdown.substack.com is where you can find that and all of our content over there. So plenty of articles on there, plenty of newsletters coming your way and already on there on the archive. So do check that out. Next up, we've got a couple more games to discuss. Uh, Osasuna. They only won five home games last season. We all said in the preview that their main task uh, for, for Jagobar Asate would be to improve that home form, make El Sadar the fortress that it once was. And so far, so good. They've picked up another home win. They beat Rayo 2-1. It was a late winner. Uh, El Sadar sounded in fine voice. Uh, three from three at home. They're sitting pretty up the top of the table. Really impressive from them once again. Rayo, not so much, but Osasuna, they've got some young players to really excite the fans too now with uh, Aymar Oroz on the score sheet once again. He's the new darling of El Sadar. And Abde on debut, 10 minutes after his introduction, he weaved his way and beat five players, didn't he? And then crossed the ball for Ruben Garcia to get that winner. And I think the roof, it's only just been redeveloped, but the roof nearly came off El Sadar.
1: Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, that run from Abdea in and, and the dying embers of the game is absolutely sensational. That's, you know, he's he's a kind of difference maker, you know, in, in these kind of games which are close. For sooner to be able to rely on him now and maybe say Moy Gomez as well, I think he's absolutely fantastic signing from Villarreal. You know, I was quite surprised that Villarreal actually let him go. For us, sooner to be able to count on someone like that as well, it's it's really, really big for them. And yeah, 6.46 is their combined ex-chief in their three home games this season. So... They're absolutely using that, you know, vociferous crowd that we've got to, you know, propel themselves forward. And they're really high intensity, aggressive side. Hago Asate is always, you know, managed at the club like that, and they are, as we said, making us Sadar a real fortress. So it'd be really interesting to see if they can keep it up throughout the season. And if they can, who knows, they might be able to uh, push for the Conference League spots, maybe even more.
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask that because they've always been kind of a solid side and very strong defensively in general, and decent attacking players and numbers but do you think this is the year they can really push I mean you've obviously got a lot of teams in that mix that want to be there like of Delta, Athletic plus the the top six from last season do you think I'll soon have a good shout then?
1: I think they definitely do my only concern is that Real Sociedad for example fantastic team I'm, I'm a really big fan of the team they're putting together and how they're playing Villarreal too, Real Betis of course they do have a lot of teams in the way and you know they're going to have to rely on someone like Sevilla for example falling out of that top seven if they're going to jump into it there's a lot of competition but I think out of the clubs that you just mentioned Athletic Club Celta they're probably the best place for me to to make that push
2: interesting interesting well let's move to San Males and Athletic because they'd started the season very strongly uh unbeaten yet to concede and they faced an Espanol side who there's, there's already a bit of pressure on Diego Martinez there was a few um yeah, a few whispers that he wasn't too happy with uh, the way things had gone in the market. Raul de Mass still on the books. He didn't get his move away. So that one is is a kind of watch this space situation, isn't it? But they really smashed and grabbed it at Sam Hamez, a late goal. Martin Braithwaite on his debut scoring to silence Sam Hamez. And somehow Athletic didn't score. I mean, that's been a, let's be honest, that's happened quite a bit. They struggled to find the back of the net, but they were well on top in this game. Created plenty of chances. But uh, yeah, Diego Martinez's first win for Espanyol. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I mean another article on our Substack actually about Athletic Club's trouble scoring. Um, I make that 52 shots taken over their three home games so far this season, just a one goal scored. Um, so they're really struggling to score in front of their own fans, and it was the same today. They had plenty of opportunities. And, you know, I think it just all looked a bit loose today, to be honest, from Athletic Club. I mean, a lot of misplaced passes, a lot of dodgy controls, and even the goal itself was um, two of the centre-backs kind of running into each other, which allowed Braver that extra little bit of space so that he could score the breakaway goal. Slightly worrying, but, you know, Ernesto Valverde, they're a very, very good manager, and I think they'll be back. But, yeah, as we said before, a massive win for Espanyol. You could see the relief on the Espanyol bench. They all kind of flooded onto the pitch as the full-time whistle went. And, yeah, with uh, Sergi Darder, I thought he was absolutely brilliant today. Four key passes, two big chances created. Absolutely fantastic. And I think he really, alongside Rosalou, holds the key if Espanyol are going to push for, you know, upper mid-table.
2: Da at its finest in San Mamés. To put that win into context, then Espanyol they only won one away game in the entirety of last season. That was that was at Mestalla over the Christmas period, um, and they hadn't won away from home in the top flight without conceding since 2019. And if you go back, they've only won once in their previous 29 away matches. So they really have been so poor away from Catalonia. Uh, but mm-hmm. to get a win at San Mamés of all places is a real kind of feather in the cap for Diego Martinez and. Will give him kind of renewed confidence to kickstart his project. Like you said, with, with Darder and Hosulu, they could link up really well and, you know, could be the real springboard for their season. So let's see how they get on in the next few weeks. Uh, very interesting times there at Corneia. The final game we have to discuss is uh, was the early game on Saturday. Of course, the, the big three matches that followed it were taking all the headlines, but this one was a pretty, pretty feisty game in itself. Really entertaining. Mallorca won, Girona won. All, the, all of it happened pretty late, though. Uh, Antonio Rayo scored a, a fantastic left-footed strike from inside the box to open the scoring, but then Girona got a late penalty converted by Samuel Saiz. Uh, I know you've got a few stats on this one, Tom, that you want to share with us. Milker have only conceded three goals this season, all of which have been penalties, so if they can stop giving penalties away, then they'll keep clean sheets all the time, hey?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think that defence is only going to get better because you've got Matija Nastasic coming in, um, obviously not seen him for a while but he, he showed glimpses when he was at Manchester City and if you still got any of that kind of ability then he'll be a great addition you know I've talked about Raikovic um coming in and being a really good goalkeeper uh, Maffeo as well tied down for an extra extra couple of years I think their recruitment this season has been really really good and they look like a better side than they were last season they still got Idrissa to come in as well who I think is one of the better players better midfielders in in the bottom half so Looking good for Mallorca. Obviously, they'll be very disappointed to concede yet yeah, another penalty, as you say, especially one in the ninety-second minute. But I think they'll be—I think they'll be fine going forward.
2: Interesting game to to kind of unpack because it was for all money Mallorca's win at home, but also Girona kind of sticking in there, showing quite a bit of fight in the end. Um, they've had a kind of decent start to the season too, with the, what was that one one win, one draw. Um, if you'd have offered them that at the start of the season, they probably would have taken that. They're being kind of lower mid-table level with the likes of Espanol and, and Almeria. So probably where they would expect to be. So perhaps something to build on for them. They're looking quite um, solid. I know you wanted to mention the, the difference between them with Stuani and then without.
1: Yeah, I mean, today, um, on Saturday, sorry, they they played with kind of three at the back, 3-4-3. Three, three. I really like Valentin Castellanos, a striker. He, he's absolutely fantastic at kind of making those runs and stretching the defence. They had two kind of inverted wingers coming inside. And I was having a look at Christine Stuani and I was looking at his kind of progressive passing and his progressive dribbling distance. He progressed the ball five yards of his passes so far this season and dribbled it eight yards, which when you compare it to other strikers in the division, you've got Iago Aspas on 402 and 442. (laughs) So that really kind of highlights how much of a, a focal point that Stuani is rather than someone who's going to drop back and get involved in the play like Valentin Castellanos is. Obviously, Stuani's a fantastic goal scorer, so that's, that's nothing against him. But it shows that Girona, you know, they, they can switch it up if they'd like to. And you know, With Castellanos and Stuani in the same team, that offers a different proposition as well. So, yeah, I like my uh, Girona, as you just said. I think they'll also be fine as well. I think there are worse teams in this division. And I think Girona will continue to grind out results as they did away at Mallorca.
2: Well, thank you very much, Tom, for your time there. Um, do please check out lalegalera.substack.com for all of those things we've mentioned and plenty more besides There'll be a fresh newsletter out on Monday morning and we'll have more this week as well as the European action gets underway. Champions League is back, Europa League 2 and the Europa, Europa Conference League, as we say, with Villarreal being Spain's first representative in that tournament. So uh, to play us out then, thank you very much for listening. But to play us out, we will hear the commentary on that. Tony Lato, Golazzo or Golato, as some would say. Uh, Tom, you love this goal, didn't you?
1: Oh, fantastic. I mean, as we were talking about before, they, you know, Lato was a captain with the absence of Soler. He's only really playing with the absence of Gaia. And then to come in, cut out, cut inside onto his weaker foot and then curl it in like he did. Yeah, a very emotional moment and, and a fantastic goal to to start the route at
2: Mestaya. Yeah. So we'll, we'll leave you with that, listener. Thank you again for listening and uh, we'll see you again
0: soon. <laughs> <laughs> derecha eh Bolín. gol 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 gol, gol. gol no, golazo golazo